Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's Sunday morning. It's 8 a.m. here on the East Coast in the fine state of New Jersey. And we are ready to welcome everyone to another episode of Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn, hosted by yours truly. This is a 10-part series, an informational talk show where we discuss everything weightless, what it means to be weightless as far as our health is concerned, that weightless feeling of being in a healthy body, a vibrant body, also what it means to be weightless emotionally, that weightless feeling of being centered in your joy, perhaps of being happy or better yet, being content and fulfilled. We are so excited to welcome you to our show. And today we are centering our show on freedom with celebration. So let's hear our wonderful theme music. And after we hear our theme music, we will have a word from our sponsor, and then we will meet today's fantastic guest. So let's go and let us be weightless. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you open up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going. Well, welcome. And now for a word from our sponsor. Good morning. Good morning. Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Allshore Development of Shrewsbury, New Jersey. Allshore Development is a builder developer creating and enhancing homes and businesses in the Jersey Shore region. Thank you for joining us this morning and back to our host, Dr. Carol Penn. I am so excited today. So thank you so much, DM. And yes, DM is my life partner, my husband, and I'm, I'm so deeply honored to have a partner like that in my life and always want to express my gratitude and our gratitude to the entire production team and the head of our production. I want to call her Dr. Kenya because she is indeed masterful and expert and a with a deep, rich heart for the community and for the people. So we are really thrilled to have her as the head of this production team. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. 
Good morning, Victoria, and welcome. Glad to see that Sunureo and Testito is in the house in Delaware. So now I'm going to welcome our guest, and we are going to open with a bit of a, a land acknowledgement with our show this morning before I bring them on, because we are centering today's show in freedom with celebration. So last week, we opened the season with our Father's Day celebration. We acknowledged Juneteenth, and we also acknowledged World Sickle Cell Anemia Awareness Day. So three big things in one day, all very important, too much to do in one show. So we thought we'd really drill down on the significance of Juneteenth as we contemplate freedom in our nation and in the world during these times. So let's begin with our land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge that this meeting is being held on the traditional lands of the Lanai Lenape peoples and pay our respect to elders, both past and present. Every community owes its existence and vitality to generations from around the world who contributed their hopes, dreams, and energy to making the history that led to this moment. Some were brought here against their will. Some were drawn to leave their distant homes in hopes of a better life. And some have lived on this land for more generations than can be counted. Truth and acknowledgement are critical to building mutual respect and connection across all barriers of heritage and difference. We remember those who lost their names through the crime of enslavement. Some were given names, but others were just listed in wills by their value. And we cannot know the names and those that love them would have used. We honor them and we hold them in the light. We begin today's effort with what has been buried by honoring the truth. Please take a moment to consider the many legacies of violence, displacement, migration, and settlement that bring us here today, that bring you here today in our beloved audience. And please join us in uncovering these truths. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to that. And let's take um, just a look at our wonderful guest today as I bring them on. And it's very, very special because it's a mother and a son and I have such resonance with that, being the mother of sons myself. And they are friends and neighbors. So we're going to see their smiling faces. So here's the mom, Mimone Christian. And here's the son, Matthew Christian. So let's welcome them. Mimone Christian. Mimone Christian is a community advocate for issues surrounding racial and socioeconomic equity, affordable housing, and food insecurity. She is an advisory board member for Lunch Break, Monmouth County, New Jersey's first soup kitchen and community resource center. She is also the chairperson of the Red Bank Housing Authority. 
Mimone is a tireless advocate for HBCU education and is a proud graduate of Howard University in Washington, D.C. Mimone's most important job is as a wife to Simi and mother to three young adults, Miles, Taylor, and Matthew. Matthew Christian is a vivacious young man who recently graduated from the eighth grade from College Archive Middle School in Neptune, New Jersey. He will be attending high school in the fall. Matthew enjoys public speaking and was trained by the Red Bank chapter of the New Jersey Orators. He is an honor student and enjoys math and history. He enjoys playing basketball, technology, and spending time with his dog, Dakota. He resides in Red Bank, New Jersey, with his parents, Mimone and Simi Christian, and his older siblings, Miles and Taylor. So welcome, welcome to you both. Welcome to the show, Waitlist with Dr. Carol Penn. And Miles, we're actually going to begin with you because we are going to be talking about Juneteenth today. And when I heard you at the Red Bank, New Jersey, Juneteenth celebration, deliver excerpts from Al Sharpton's presentation on Juneteenth, I just knew that our listening audience would want to hear that, would want to celebrate that, and that it should be around for a long time with the show and the podcast. So we're going to put mom backstage and we're going to put me backstage and then the floor will be yours. All right. So here we go. Uh, hello, my name is Matthew Christian. Uh, today I'll be presenting a uh, dramatic interpretation of Reverend Al Sharpton's uh, Juneteenth speech that he delivered in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2020. 401 years ago, they brought Africans across the Atlantic in the African slave trade. They called it the Atlantic slave trade. What they don't tell our children is that many died in the passage across the Atlantic. And on the bottom of the Atlantic lay the bones of those that suffered pandemics along the way. Only those that could survive the viruses, the storms, the waves, the illnesses made it. And when they got to these shores, were enslaved for over 250 years. Why do I start by saying that? Because I want people to understand that the strongest Africans are the ones that made it. And therefore, we are the heirs and the children of the strongest. You are not dealing with people that don't have strength. You're not dealing with the people that do not have backbones. It's going to take more than a lot of threats and backbiting and crooked criminal justice systems to stop us. They put our forefathers on blocks and sold us like a bar of soap, but we never stopped fighting. They took our names to where we don't even know our names. We are named after those that owned our forefathers, but even nameless, we never stopped fighting. They sold mama to one state, daddy to another, children to another. And still, we never stopped fighting. And in their greed, they began fighting each other. Let me tell you what Juneteenth represents. When the Confederates tried to overtake this country and committed treason. 
When you see those of us talking about take down statues, can you imagine any country in the world that puts up statues and worships people that were traitors and committed treason to that country? If you would put traitor statues in front of a courthouse, no wonder we can't get justice in that courthouse. If you would put traitor statues in front of the state legislator buildings, no wonder the laws were crooked. You worship those that tried to bring your government down. And when the Confederates got north all the way to Virginia, Frederick Douglass and others have been saying, let blacks free, let them join the Union Army. Lincoln would not hear it. But when they got as close to Virginia, the general said, Mr. Lincoln, free the slaves in those Confederate states. Let them join the Union Army. And they joined the Union and backed the Confederates. They tell our children and others that Lincoln freed the slaves. But the fact is, the slaves freed Lincoln. If we hadn't joined the Union Army, Stonewall Jackson might have been the president. So we backed up the Union Army and Lincoln signed at the end of the victory of the Civil War for the Union, the Emancipation Proclamation. And when he signed it, he committed that on January 1st, 1863, slaves would be free. Well, a lot of folks that go to black churches and go to watch night services on New Year's Eve don't understand that that's not a night to pray to midnight and go party after. Watch night was that we watched to see the clock strike 12 to know that we were free. That's what watch night was. But somehow they didn't get that message in Texas. There wasn't Twitter then, wasn't Facebook or Instagram. And people in Texas continued the enslavement of blacks for another two and a half years. Finally, a general came in and announced that union had won. The slaves were free. That became known as Juneteenth. So we celebrate the day in all this country, all those that are humane and those that are committed to decency should celebrate because June re Juneteenth represents the first day in this country that you do not have legalized slavery. When the members of the Senate propose making a federal holiday of Juneteenth today, it ought to be a federal holiday because it's the first day that this country stepped towards living up to the model that is announced, that all men were created equal. Don't forget that most of them wrote that own slaves. Most of them that wrote that didn't even respect their own woman. Women couldn't vote until 1920. That's why I'm a little puzzled when I hear people walk around and talking about make America great again. Give me the date that America was great for everybody. It wasn't great for blacks when we were enslaved and then had to fight Jim Crow and then fight for the right to vote. It wasn't great for white women who couldn't even vote and was reduced to stay in the kitchen. It wasn't great for those of Latino and Asian descent who were not welcome here, even though they had statue in the harbor saying, bring me your tired and huddled masses that yearn to be free. When was America great for everybody? We are the ones, you that are marching in Selma, you that are marching all over America, we are the ones that will make America great for everybody for the first time. Thank you. Wow. Wow, Matthew, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that, for delivering that. And I would just like to hear in your own words, what does that mean to you? 
what does what does that speech mean to you and what is it like for you to deliver it and share it when you do deliver it and share it um i think this speech kind of uh shows my background and my upbringing of my ancestors how he said they were uh the, the strongest the toughest and that i'm bred from the same cloth as them so i think that kind of shows my self-worth and what i have to my standards i have to live up to to keep their legacy wonderful thank you so much for sharing that reflection and yes there's a science now called epigenetics and we talk about intergenerational trauma, things that can be passed down. There's also intergenerational strengths that are passed down. And I couldn't agree with you more. If you are an African-American, hey, Dr. Dietrich says, excellent. Thank you. If you are an African-American living in the United States today, you are downstream and you are a survivor. And beyond being a survivor, you are a thriver. It means that you have inherited strength beyond strength, brilliance beyond brilliance. And you see the comments that are being flashed across the bottom of the screen. So excellent. So good to see this young man taking up the cause. Good job, mom and dad. Good job, mom and dad. So now, Mimone, I'm going to ask you, what is it like for you listening and watching Matthew as he delivers such powerful oration? You know, it, it, it keeps a smile on my face for sure. Um, it's nice to be able to see and understand that your children are learning something so important. And lots of times as parents or even just people in general, you think, I know this. So innately, you think that your offspring know it but that's not the case. So it's so important to make sure that we're teaching our children their history and giving them opportunities to show that they are absorbing and they are understanding and they are learning. It's significant. It makes me proud to see my son doing this. Oh, oh me too. Me too. And, you know, and I, I've, I've known you for a long time and I've known your heart as a mom and, and, and again, you know, planting those seeds, <laughs> you know, the itty, itty, bitty and, you know, seeking opportunities for them to have education and expression. And then, but sometimes you don't know as a parent exactly, right. you know, when and where and how the manifestation is going to occur. And now I also would love to hear from you because there are many people that are, are watching and really that will hear this in days and weeks and months to come. Oh, Linda saying it makes our community proud. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, indeed it does. Very important and very special. Very, very special. Tell us a little, tell us, frame the history of Juneteenth for us. You know, in layman's terms, you know, I would just say this. Imagine being in a situation that was just so horrible, so demoralizing. You're toiling, you're enslaved, you are taking care of everyone else's needs but your own, you're working and living in conditions that are just deplorable, you can't be with your family, you as a man are dehumanized, 
and you're living in this and there's no hope, you feel no hope, generation after generation, you've seen children pulled from their parents. And then one day you get the message, you're free. You are free. Come to find out you were free two years ago. <laughs> Can you imagine the celebration that happened as a result of getting that news on June 19th, 1865. Can you imagine the celebration? You are free. And that's exactly what Juneteenth is. It's the celebration, finding out that you are free. And the only thing that I can even remotely liken it to is in my generation, in my lifetime is maybe, and maybe just finding out that we now have a black president for the first time, or add on top of that, the fact that you might be a parent for the first time, or mm. that you are healthy. I mean, you just, the combination of all of those still to me probably would not equal the joy <laughs> that I can imagine our ancestors felt on that day when they finally found out after generations and generations of enslavement that they were quote unquote free. Wow. I, I also, you know, I, I can't imagine. I do remember my own jubilation and celebration when Barack Obama was elected and the symbolism of that. And again, so many people saying, I never thought that I would see that in my lifetime. So again, I'm just trying to remember, you know, how, you know, my ancestors, when they first found out they were free and they were living at the time in the states of South Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia. And then, but I'm thinking, wow, you know, that two year gap where many, many states, they, of course, they knew about the Emancipation Proclamation. They actually sent their slaves into Texas so that slavery could be perpetuated for as long as possible. You know, it could have lasted, who knows, two years, three years, four years, six years from 1863 to, to 18. 65. And could you share with us, Mimone, a little bit about, you know, actually how that news arrived in Texas? Yes. So um, there was a general and all his name slips me right now, but he was, was, was sent in on his horses with his troops to announce you're free. You are free. You are free. Yeah, it was general order number three. It actually, you know, had a number, I believe. And he went in there with 2,000 troops. So that was, it was big. It was huge when they came in to announce it. And also a little bit, um, can you share with, with our audience that after they made, though, the announcement of Juneteenth, so when is freedom not free? Because they weren't allowed to what afterwards? 
I don't know the exact details of that, Carol. Tell me. Tell me. Oh, okay. All right. So I'll go back. So they weren't. So even though they were free, they were told you can't leave your homes in the state of Texas. Right. Right. You you can't be in the armed services. Right. And you cannot. There was a, a clause in there around idleness. So you could be arrested for that, imprisoned for that. So you weren't even entitled to rest because that could be interpreted if you weren't working all the time. So even on the one hand, here's this concept, this idea that, okay, you're no longer a slave. It says you're, you're, the slaveholders are now your employers and they have to pay you for your work. So that's huge. That's big. But then there was that other language in there. Those three things. Well, you can't really fully part. You, you, so you're not you're not free. You can't leave the state of Texas. Your employer could also choose to instantly fire you, which would you know mean you didn't have a job. And now you can be arrested because if you're seen as being idle. Right. So, you know, so on the one hand, one thing given, but yet still, you know, that that restriction that was there. And I, I, I think, though, that, again, you know, downstream of this, you know, these years now, fast forward to 2022, I loved what Matthew was sharing. You are from strength. And we fought then and we've never stopped fighting for equality. And I would just like, I'm going to just throw it back to Matthew for a moment. And so Matthew, when you think about you're at that special transition going from, you know, the elementary school years into the high school years. Um, and you can answer this any way you want to, because it's all a part of being free and being celebratory. What are some of the things that you think you and the folks your age making this transition from, you know, elementary school to the high school, what are some of the freedoms that you are fighting for and or looking most forward to being able to celebrate, you know, just, you know, a little bit of insight into your, your age group. Um, I think for me, it's mainly more independence. I get to be, I'm learning to be more responsible and make my own decisions rather than having them guided by somebody else. And I think uh, the main thing they preach in high school, at least that's what they tell me, I haven't experienced it yet, but is that you're not going to be guided for everything you do. It's you're told to do something or you're given the instruction and you have to do it yourself. So I think the main thing I'm looking forward is to is my independence and being able to make my own decisions. So wonderful. So now in in, in a way, with that freedom and independence comes a lot more responsibility. So it's like with what's been already planted inside of you. So you have to reflect and you have to think and make a decision. You know, so it's great. It's wonderful. So on the one hand, mom and dad, not there all the time, but in the moment, listening to what's inside of Matthew's heart and spirit. 
So yeah, it's a it's a blessing and it is a challenge. And I know you're ready to meet that challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So Mamon, what are you looking forward to in this idea of freedom and celebration? And and where is it that there's more work to be done? Well, the idea of freedom, um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think it needs to be done primarily in the education aspect of it. We need to get the word out to other communities. We need to 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 share and let other people understand that um, we are all connected. You know, just because um, it didn't impact you per se the same way it impacted my people doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. We're humans. And we all deserve dignity and respect and um, understanding each other's cultural pasts and history is so important to humanizing individuals um, and, and, and the people as a whole. And when you humanize people, then you have less instances of things like police brutality, um, hunger, um, lack of education, lack of opportunities. Um, you know, it's just, just, just being good stewards of one another. Um, it's so important. The more you know, the better you do. Oh, absolutely. And talk to us a little bit about your passions, affordable housing and food insecurity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, I have a background in working with community organizations. Um, One of the organizations that I work with is a nonprofit organization called Lunch Break. Uh, Lunch Break is centered in Monmouth County, uh, New Jersey, and uh, it's more than a soup kitchen. It's a it's a it's a place where people can come and um, just. Into, they can can't even explain it. It gets me tongue tied because it just does so. You, they do so much for the community. <laughs> um, it's a place where people can come though, and when they have a need, whether the need is hunger, whether the need is lack of resources, whether the need is lack of employment, lunch break has um, volunteers, primarily volunteers that help um, fill the gaps for people who are in need. Um, And the Red Bank Housing Authority, I work with an organization that helps um, house people who who need affordable housing. There is a great lack of it within our our, the community that I live in, but not just the community throughout the state and throughout the country. Um, Housing is so important to stability. And if you don't have a stable place to call home, a place to lay your head down, how do you excel in school? How do your children um, feel secure? How do you maintain employment? And when people are spending upwards of 60%, 70% of their income just to be able to have a home, um, it it causes problems. It causes problems in our communities. And um, it is an issue that needs resources and it needs advocates. Absolutely. And as listening to you speak, 
this is it's an it's a national issue certainly here in the United States and we could expand it globally particularly when we're talking about food insecurity and you know there are people all throughout this world that are starving caught up in geopolitical situations um, where if 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 food doesn't come in they they're not going to survive there are places in this world where the critical mass of malnutrition of children has been reached. And we already know that no matter what happens from this day forward, we're going to lose a generation. So things to think about uh, for our listening audience, where they might look, where they might get involved. But I'm going to just take another little moment because I want to go back to Matthew for a moment because Matthew brought up an excellent point about how responsibility ties into freedom. And maybe both of you could share some reflections of, well, what does it mean to be responsible? So Matthew, I'm going to ask you that to, in your own words, when someone says, okay, Matthew, you need to be responsible. What does that mean? Uh, I think for me, it's the choices that I make, uh, especially when I'm by myself or I don't have my parents' guidance. Or, like for example, uh, this summer I'm traveling to London by myself alone, not my parents, and I have to make good choices and to keep myself safe, people around me safe, which would be being responsible. And as a child or when I was younger. I had my parents to do that for me and to guide me. And now I have to figure out how to do that on my own. Well said and congratulations on the trip. That will be exciting and wonderful. And you will learn and do and see things that you probably couldn't learn, do and see under any circumstances. So Mimone, what does that mean for you? And how did you plant the seed of self-responsibility in your children? Well, um, I'm still planting it. <laughs> it's something that, that that you never stop doing as a parent, of course, and just just talking about, you know, um, responsibility and why it's important. But uh, Matthew talked a little bit about self-responsibility, but responsibility, you know, I teach my children and I try to live by the fact that responsibility is more than just thinking about yourself, too. We've got to be responsible to our community and we've got to be responsible to each other and making sure that our actions don't negatively impact not just our lives, but other people's lives. So, um, you know, it's an ongoing process. It's conversation. It's 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 watching situations and having conversations after the fact and talking about how things impact lives. It's so important as parents that we we talk to our children, isn't it? It is. It is. And sometimes you think they're not listening. But I guess the proud parent moment comes when you realize they actually were. So Yes. So oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, they heard me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. So that that constant dialogue and and talking and also being the example ourselves. Sometimes I think that 
our children don't necessarily listen to us in the words, but they watch us. They see how we live our lives in the moment, right? What we're doing. So it's not what I say, it's what I do that also exerts a very powerful influence. And so in saying all of this, there's, it seems to me that freedom has a cost. And one of the prices that you pay for freedom is responsibility mm-hmm. for yourself and others. Right? What are some of the other costs and investments that tie us to freedom, do you think, and maintaining it? Well, it, just just so many. I mean, you, you have to be one of the things I know that to be free, you can't be afraid to express your freedom. So when there are issues that matter, when there are things that need to be spoken about or people who need to be spoken up for, you've got to be comfortable and strong enough to use your freedom and to speak for people who can't speak for themselves and to protect. Go ahead, Matthew. I think oftentimes that comes from experiences that sometimes people aren't, um, they haven't, they haven't experienced it or lived in situations where they have to use their voice or defend themselves or stand up for themselves. And I think that also goes back to responsibility is that when you experience this, these things over and over again, you, it's kind of drilled into your mind at a time of when, when you're supposed to use your voice and when you're not supposed to use your voice. And I think so just experiences itself helps with freedom because you um, learn. That's true. That's one way to experience it yourself. But also, Matthew, if you see other people experiencing it time and time again, and you know for yourself that it's not right, you don't have to experience it yourself in order to be able to speak up to protect someone or to 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 stand with someone. If you watch the news and you see experiences that other people are having, or you read and you see experiences, negative experiences that others are happening, and you have freedom, it's important that you feel empowered to use your freedom in a way to stand up for someone else. Mm. And how do we train people or invite people to step into that opportunity to to be our brother's keeper, to have that awareness, to have that agency, to feel free enough and strong enough and empowered enough to say enough. That's not acceptable, or I'm not going to allow you to treat another human being in this way. I think I think it's difficult. I think it is. I think it is difficult. However, that's where education and exposure and um, opportunity come hand in hand, where you get the opportunity to learn about other people's livelihoods and their experiences and their history and exposure and putting yourself in environments that you may 
normally not find yourself in or picking up a cultural piece and reading it and learning it. And I think when you let, when, like, again, when you, when you, when you know more and you, you do better, you know, it's just mm. exposure, exposure. Uh, I also think it has to do with confidence and especially in kids, uh, letting them know that they're just as good as their counter counterparts and uh, knowing their worth and knowing that they have the right to stand up and for themselves and other people and not thinking they just have to deal with the inequalities that are going on in America. Well said, beautifully said, strongly said. Thank you, Matthew. We're going to take a quick little break to hear from our sponsor. But when we come back from our um, sponsor, we are going to lead off again with you, Matthew. So maybe you could think about this question. I'm going to ask you, do you see yourself differently from your peers? Hold that thought. And now a word from our sponsor. So we'll be right back. Good morning again. Hope you're enjoying today's show and know that it is brought to you by All Shore Development of Shrewsbury, New Jersey. All Shore Development is a builder developer creating and enhancing homes and businesses in the Jersey Shore freedom. <laughs> Jersey Shore region, yes. Freedom is on the mind. And such a wonderful show it is. But thank you again for tuning in and thank you all short development. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much, DM. All right. So Matthew, do you see yourself differently from your peers? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I think my parents have provided me with different opportunities mm -hmm. and, uh, I think some people weren't provided those opportunities, but I don't think that makes me any different. I just think that makes me lucky, I would say. Um, I think I grew up in prep schools most of my life. I've experienced uh, Ranny, I guess you could say. It's a huge school. I've also experienced uh, College Achieve, which is a small school in Neptune. So I think I've been able to see both sides and I just, I don't make, think that makes me any different. I think that makes me well-versed, I would say, in both aspects of life. I love that. Do you think that your peers, though, are challenged with self-confidence issues? Um, I think it changes by person. Uh, I know, for example, me, I'm not, and my sister, she's super quiet, doesn't talk, won't talk to anybody unless they talk to her. So I think it just changes by the person. I don't think it has anything to do with. Uh... All right. All right. Yes, it, there are just different personality constructs for sure. And yes, you are beautifully loquacious. <laughs> so that's a that's a special quality that you have, Matthew. It's also a gift the gift of public speaking. Public speaking is actually the number one paid position because so many people don't feel that they have a voice or they feel very, very shy about sharing their voice almost on any level. So for those of us who have been 
given the gift of being able to speak and share with others, you can be very, very well compensated for that. So please continue to hone your skills and more importantly, continue to hone your methods. Um, and I love what Victoria is saying here. It starts with the parents or the community to show the younger ones what empathy is and how to show empathy. Empathy is a learned behavior. So, yeah. And it absolutely is. Yeah. And so, you know, Mimone, what, you know, what do we mean by empathy? And that is a learned behavior. Um, well, first I have to say, Victoria, you're on point 100%. It is a learned behavior. Um, empathy is just allowing your people, your children to learn that others are in need. It's to, to not be so self-centered and put some of your focus on the needs of others. Um, and that's, that's important. It's so important for our, our children. When Matthew was young and his siblings were young, um, in fact, Matthew, I called Matthew a lunch break baby. When I was volunteering there as a child, Matthew was on my hips there serving food, um, preparing clothing. And Matthew would walk through the establishment and everyone would say, hi, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Everyone knew Matthew as, as a baby because he was right there serving and learning and, and, and helping. And yeah. it's important that we give our children the opportunities to learn empathy. Absolutely. And so we are really, you know, bringing out the qualities, the strengths that Matthew talked about in the excerpt from the Al Sharpton presentation that took place in 2020. So when we talk about these strengths that we have inherited intergenerationally being downstream of surviving those who survived the middle passage, we talk about responsibility. We've talked about resiliency. We've talked about self-confidence. And now we're speaking about empathy. So those four qualities right there as inherited strengths that have been passed down through the generations that date back to the Emancipation Proclamation and prior to that, those who survived, our ancestors who survived that middle passage. That's who we are today. And that's you know how we come to be here. So is there any other strength that either one of you can think of that's a part of that freedom package, that's a part of that celebration that we are today? You know, all I could say is I think of my ancestors and then I look in the screen and I see my son and I listen to him talk. And I remember my grandmother was she was she was a mother at 15, had 15 children, was not educated. And when she spoke, she was one of the wisest people in the world to me. But she didn't master the king's English. And when she said numbers, she'd say, instead of three, she'd say tree. And she, 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 she was a beautiful, beautiful, smart, wise woman, but she didn't have the opportunity to be formally educated. And, you know, I look at generations of my family and how we were able to build from her. And I see the strength in her. 
She cleaned houses so her children could do a little bit better. My mother, she also did a little bit better than her generation. And I'm doing a little bit better than the previous generation. And I look at my child, Matthew, and I'm like, wow, the hope and the dreams of the slaves. And we have to remember where we come from and we could never forget that. And as we climb, we have to lift as we climb and we have to bring others with us. We have to educate ourselves and continue climbing and never forget where we've come from. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that and bringing in the grandmothers, right? And the reminder that as we speak today, as we share our stories, as we share our hearts today, we are not too very far removed from the experience of being an enslaved human being and what that means. Yeah. So beautiful. And what Victoria is sharing, the problem is people shy away from being empathetic because it puts us in a vulnerable position. But if for a minute we say to ourselves, if I was in that position, how would I want to be treated and allow themselves to be uncomfortable? People would step up more and allow themselves to be empathetic. Wow. Matthew, Mimone, do you do we think that's true? It's absolutely true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And with freedom comes vulnerability. If you're going to express your freedom, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. I, be- I, I agree with that. I think uh, oftentimes some people think that if they do step up and they do say something about it, that they will be put in that position. So I think sometimes that's why people don't step up. And I just think, like, like I think they have to let it roll off their shoulders. Like, people say stuff to me all the time. And for me, at least, it goes in one ear, out the other. I know for some people that doesn't, like, that affects them. But I understand that people are always going to say something to me. And sometimes I just have to take it with a grain of salt and not take it to heart. But I think sometimes people can't do that and they're scared of what might come if they say something so they don't say anything at all. I I do believe that fear is a big factor in people not stepping up. And there's also the aspect of privilege. So if you're non-melanated, for example, of whatever your ethnic heritage and background is, you can disappear into the sea of privileges. There's nothing that would have you stand out. So no matter what type of privileges that we might experience as people who are downstream of strivers and thrivers, we will not have the opportunity to disappear into that privilege. So people see us and they see our skin tones and our skin colors coming into the room. And then there's a whole sea of judgment and thought around that, including sometimes fear. They see and they have their assumptions about what it means when a person with a melanated skin comes into a room. And so how do we 
address that issue of privilege and how do we bring along the like-minded people that might want to be allies and accomplices as we strive for eliminating food insecurity, as we strive for eliminating housing insecurity, Mimone? Again, it all goes back to to understanding um, just some of the basic things that you can do is, is have conversations and is, you know, to be kind, but to be honest and to be vulnerable and to, when you see a situation, feel comfortable, have the freedom to be able to talk about topics that might make someone uncomfortable, but it's, they're uncomfortable because it doesn't impact them and they don't really know a lot about the the topic and you just have to feel comfortable sharing, sharing. So conversation, open dialogue. I think that's one of the gifts of lunch break. I too am involved with the incredible organization of lunch break, a member of their board of trustees. And while it was founded quote by my aunt Norma as a soup kitchen, It has become so much more than that. It's really, I would say, the centerpiece of our community. And it reminds this community to have a heart. I would even go so far to say it is becoming the heart of the community and inviting people from all different backgrounds, because that's part of the volunteer force that Mm -hmm. you were speaking of, to say let us work together. Let us have that uncomfortable conversation. Now let us be a part of the conversation that also solves the problem. Right. right? So, and again, honesty does not have to be brutal. We can learn to speak our truth with compassion. So Matthew, when you say, oh, you know, learning to let certain things roll off your your shoulders and then just moving forward anyway, I think of you, well, you know, this is my truth. I don't have to hit you over the head with it. And I'm going to do this anyway. And I'm going to say this anyway. And so I want to encourage you to keep doing just that. that In a kind and loving way. Yes, 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 yeah. So Victoria, my thought process, when I walk into a room filled with people who I know might not get is to say to myself, act and behave like God sent you there. I love that. An emissary from God, right? (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. So we do, we um, care. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. One of my colleagues from the Center for Mind Body Medicine who is saying thank you for this brilliant conversation. So my goodness, this this has been a brilliant conversation. And Matthew, there is a lot. There's a beautiful mantle on your young shoulders. There is an opportunity for you as you go into high school. We'll see what's going to happen. We'll see what those experiences are going to be. And I want you to know that you do have a community that supports you that loves you, that sees you. And I, you know, and, and I know sometimes you might not want to say it to, to mom and dad. And if you want to say it to somebody that's in that generation, but not exactly mom and dad, all you got to do is text or walk around the corner. 
<laughs> so that's available too. Cause I remember being 14 and 15 and saying a lot of things. And I wanted to run it by somebody else first. Other than mom and dad, because, of course, I thought I knew what mom and dad were going to say. That wasn't exactly true either. Now that I'm in the position of being the mom and dad, but in my 14 year old mind, it certainly was. It certainly was. And again, I felt that I had a community in the town of Red Bank because of the Dr. Dr. James Parkers, because of what was going on in the west side of Red Bank. I knew that I could be the performing artist that I became because of relatives and examples in my family, because my parents took me to see great art, because my parents made sure I saw Arthur Mitchell when he was dancing with New York City Ballet. They made sure I saw Alvin Ailey in the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. They made sure that I knew there was great Black visual art in the world and opera. I knew that I could be a teacher because of the mans. I knew I could be a lawyer because of the Lees. I knew I could be a doctor or a dentist because of the Parkers. And so I want you to also be able to look to your community and know that there's not anything that is not available to you. And if you don't see it in Red Bank, look in another community. And I know your mother is helping you see the world and your dad is helping you see the world through your eyes so that you are limitless, my young friend. You and your siblings are limitless. Weightless. (laughs) Weightless. That's exactly right. Totally weightless. The weight of the world is not on their shoulders. So, Mimone, it is just about time to wrap up. I want to thank you and Matthew for coming on. So, Matthew, keep speaking your truth. Stand firm and believe in what mom and dad are pouring into you. Mom, thank you for bringing up the next generation that will make the world a better place. Any thoughts or words that you want to share before we say goodbye and get out of here? Till next week. Matthew, I just want to say to you, job well done. You make me proud. And I want to say, continue learning and thriving and shining and being free. Wonderful. And on that note, you all, we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Mimone and Matthew. Weightless, weightless, no matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing.